Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is Brad Kearns. I feel now the peak performance thing, if I can make you super healthy, then I don't care what you do in your training program. Go do jumping jacks, like some of the best guys. It doesn't really matter what they do. just assume you feel as good as possible and then when you have this tremendous improvement you're like oh shit what else is possible do I still feel shit compared to that person that just walked past here's a quick thank you to our sponsors they make this show possible and the tremendous production behind it online and in audio thank you wildideabuffalo.com Grass-fed, locally raised, on the Great Plains for the last 130,000 years. Quit eating that junk food feedlot cattle and get some quality meat into your life. And thank you, DNAfit.com. Cutting-edge genetic testing, delivering customized diet and exercise recommendations for your peak performance. Use the discount code GOY30. Get over yourself. Integro Probiotics make this fabulous liquid probiotic high potency. It's called Flourish, so your microbiome can flourish. Gut health is everything. Get started. Visit entegrohealth.com and Tribali Foods. Pre-made, creatively flavored hamburger and chicken patties. When you're in a rush, drop one down, fry it up. It's delicious. T-R-I-B-A-L-I and Almost Heaven. That's the name of my sauna. These are beautiful home-use saunas made of real wood, shipped to your door, easy to assemble, and then you are rocking. That's right. I'm going from chest freezer cold therapy into the hot barrel sauna. Check them out at almostheaven.com. And the Primal Blueprint online multimedia educational courses to go primal, go keto, get a stand-up desk going, master the challenge of endurance training. Go to bradkearns.com and click on the links to learn more about these courses. If you're sick of my voice on the podcast, you can now get sick of my face, too, on the videos. And Real Salt, America's only unrefined ancient sea salt. It tastes great, packed with natural minerals. Stop consuming junk food iodized salt and get real. And Ancestral Supplements. This is grass-fed liver, organ meats, and bone marrow delivered in a convenient gelatin capsule. Don't stress about cooking liver anymore. Just pop some pills or throw capsules into a smoothie every day like me. And now on to our show. Hey, listeners, it's Brad. I'm so excited to introduce my recent interview with Chris Kelly of NourishBalanceThrive.com. And also excited to use for the very first time my Zoom H4N Pro portable recording device. This is the first time I get to actually hear myself talk while I'm talking with the headphones on. So I can tell if I put the microphone too far away and have to bring it back to perfect spot. Same with my guests when I travel around an interview. Oh yeah. So Chris is a very interesting guy. I was so excited to get introduced to him uh, some time ago and decide to participate in the Nourish, Balance, Thrive comprehensive wellness testing, supplementation, consultation program. And these guys are on the very cutting edge of health science, going far beyond what the traditional medical community has to offer in terms of identifying functional 
problems in the body, weaknesses, nutritional deficiencies, and addressing those with supplementation, lifestyle, diet modification. And it's so interesting. We didn't talk too much in the interview about Chris's software background. Kind of gets a little bit over my head, but in the parking lot, he was explaining some of the uh, ways that the algorithms work and how they feed all this information into a database. They had access to an insurance company's blood testing database of, I don't know if it was tens or hundreds of thousands of people. And so they have this massive database of information whereby by preparing these algorithms and getting into the software programming. That's Chris's area of expertise before he got into health. He was into the high-tech world, Silicon Valley world. That's why he moved from England over to the Bay Area uh, years ago. But by inputting all this data and looking at patterns and programming, he can tell you, for example, uh, with great certainty, 97% accuracy, that your testosterone is low because you have these other red flags such as low zinc levels or other simple tests that cost $30 instead of $300 to perform uh, the hormone panels. So they're trying to optimize the Nourish Balance Thrive offering accordingly by giving you uh, some more affordable uh, options for testing and consultation, uh, preparing the uh, questionnaire that you see on their homepage. So if you go to nourishbalancethrive.com, you can take this seven-minute questionnaire and it's going to inform you whether you most likely have gut dysfunction, as many people do, even healthy eaters. That was amazing about uh, my program. I came out with some really freaky stuff on my uh, blood urine, stool, saliva tests. I had uh, petroleum byproducts, uh, toxic byproducts in my bloodstream. I also had uh, byproducts of plastic in my bloodstream. He proposed that that might have been from drinking warm plastic water bottles, you know, the cheap disposable plastic water bottles uh, that it might have been left in my car, been heated up, the plastic leaches into the water. And so I had to do some detoxification, purification uh, program uh, which involved uh, taking niacin and then going and sitting in a 190 degree sauna until I got really sweaty and uncomfortable. So crazy stuff like that that you're not going to find at your doctor. But what's so great for me is that I've been on this health journey, uh, this functional medicine journey as an athlete dating way back 20 plus years ago. And back then it was like putting puzzle pieces together. So we had to travel around and seek out this known practitioner in San Diego who did this funky testing protocol or go to the natural energy healer in Boulder and see what they had to say because you're complaining about fatigue or uh, diminished performance despite eating healthy, sleeping a lot, training hard. And now basically everything is under one roof with what they're doing at nourishbalancethrive.com and they walk you through the entire program uh, optimizing your supplements, changing patterns over time, retesting, retesting again, and making sure that you get to some sort of finish line where you're far better off than you were when you started. And it's a very expensive program. It's a pretty uh, good investment to to buy into the uh, the complete um, journey. Uh, but they're also looking for ways to make it more affordable to more people. So let's hear what Chris has to say. He doesn't uh, do a big sales pitch for his program. I'm doing that right now, I guess. But you know, more talking about 
all different aspects of health, peak performance. And that's one great distinction about what Chris is doing in his position is that he's walking his talk. He's field testing his services because he's a super competitive athlete who has had to try to heal himself from those burnout patterns, those overtraining patterns that are so common in the endurance scene and rise back into a place where he's performing really well in the races on much more sensible training and also preserving his health as he pursues these peak performance goals. So enjoy this recording. Uh, I met him at this retreat center in the Santa Cruz mountains called 1440 Multiversity. Fabulous, incredible place where they have all sorts of retreats. Uh, but he insisted on recording outside. So we had to walk around the whole campus looking for a plug. This super high-tech place does not have a lot of outdoor plugs, but we finally found one. So we stood up, got some nature, uh, beautiful sun hitting our faces on the big deck at the uh, centerpiece, the amphitheater area of the campus. And it was a nice change of pace from sitting down in a quiet room. So hopefully you love the sound quality because Chris brought all his high-tech stuff. We had headsets on with the little microphones and we rocked it. Enjoy, Chris Kelly. Catching up with Chris Kelly here in his home of the Santa Cruz Mountains. I was so close to you coming to this retreat, this totally cool place called 1440 Multiversity. I said, hey man, we got to hook up. So thank you for joining me. I can't wait to get into your amazing story, especially this Nourish, Balance, Thrive operation that you've been doing for the last few years and making great waves in the alternative health community, especially with the athletes who've been struggling for so long, getting the support they need, obviously not there in the mainstream medical approach. So why don't you tell us what your operation is all about? And then we can take a few steps back and see how you got there. I think I'll agree with you that we're making great ways when it's not alternative, right? When we can remove the word alternative from healthcare, right? It just becomes healthcare. <laughs> That's how I measure success. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love living in Santa Cruz. I'm not from Santa Cruz, that so you can probably tell from my accent, but I do love living in Santa Cruz. It's sunny and the trails here are fantastic and we're by the ocean. I live in the Redwoods and we can go to the beach. It's just such an amazing place to live. And yeah, you're right. This multiversity here, I want to come and do something We've got to do some stuff here. You'll hear about this place because we're going to put an event on here or something. So you mentioned the trails and you're a big time mountain biking dude, which is yeah. uh, critical to the story. Yeah, it is. Uh, I see the abrasion on your elbow there. Oh, yeah. Did that come from yesterday's race? And- no, that was actually okay. the week before I got crashed out of a race right at the start. The gun went off and the guy to my left, he missed his pedal, but carried on pedaling. If you've ridden a bike, you probably know how this can go. So by pedaling really hard without being clipped in, he just went sideways very quickly and took out the entire peloton of mountain bikers on tarmac. So all of us went down. I was like, oh my God. And so I picked my bike up and my seat was pointing in the wrong direction and my bars were pointing in the wrong direction. I'm like, okay, maybe I could fix that and start the race. And then I saw blood on my crossbar and like, look at my elbow. I'm like, no, I'm going home. (laughs) So... The rest of my day was spent looking for somebody to put some stitches in my elbow, which was not that much fun. But yesterday, I raced again yesterday, and I had really low expectations, which I think you probably know this, isn't it? When you go into a race and you don't expect to do well because of what's happened recently, and like that's sometimes a really good setup, isn't it, for having a really good day? And that's exactly what happened. So I had a really good race yesterday in uh, Wilder Ranch State Park. They hold an event here called the Old Cabin Race now. I had 600 people yesterday, which is great. They only started it a couple of years ago. Fantastic venue. The race really showcases Wilder Ranch State Park really, really well. Came second in my age group, so I was pretty happy with that. 
So what are they putting you through at your age group? How long is the race and what's the terrain like? 27 miles, three and a half thousand feet of climbing. It's quite bumpy in Wilder Ranch, but it was fast. We probably averaged maybe 14 miles an hour, which is quite fast on a mountain bike for a mountain bike race. Yeah, it took me two hours and six minutes. And I think the top pros probably did it quite a lot, probably 20 minutes faster than that. Honestly. Okay, so you're this, <laughs> this winning endorsement guy for Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yeah. Tell us about the operation and how you help oh, yeah. not only athletes, but regular folks too, but especially those people pursuing peak performance. Yeah. Oh, that's what we do. I realize that I am what we do. We help athletes achieve peak performance and sustained health. And so... Oh, those are two different things. Those I are two different. Like, they're that. almost like diametrically opposed, aren't they? So that's how I got into this. I had the peak performance. Let me go right back to the beginning. So moved here from London, started working for Yahoo, the big tech company in Silicon Valley. And it seemed like everybody had a road bike. I was the only person that didn't have a road bike. And I had a road bike in London and it, a bike was something you used to get to work, right? It wasn't something you rode for fun. And nobody owned Lycra, at least no one I knew like owns Lycra. And it was what everyone did here. And so I kind of joined in with that, did some road rides and really enjoyed it. thought it was really great. And then somehow I got back into mountain biking. I'm not exactly sure how, but I can remember quite vividly being at Tamarancho, which is uh, some mountain bike trails over in Marin County, which is the birthplace of mountain biking. And somebody saying to me, oh yeah, you're really fast. You should come do a race with me at CCCX, which is where I was last week and got crashed out. <laughs> and so I went down there and I did it. And he was right. I was quite fast and I did quite well in my first race. And that was what kind of set the whole thing in motion, right? Like, oh, actually, I'm quite good at this. And so I got a coach and I started riding Uh-oh, really hard I'm and fast. To, this story is starting to turn now. <laughs> the wonderful, beautiful, innocent start where you had a natural oh, talent God. for it and enjoyment. And then he gets a coach and starts getting yeah. serious. Warning no, to listeners. No, I guess, you know, I missed a bit out there. So the first thing I did was I tried to coach myself and I thought that would be, you know, if I did a 90 minute time trial to work every day on the road bike, like literally as hard as I could every day, then I would get faster. And it, sort, it works for about a week and then you stagnate, right? You don't, and then you start not feeling good because you're so tired. So the coach actually was very helpful. He slowed me down and I started going longer and he started periodizing my program, right? Like, okay, when do you want to be good? Like, let's work backwards from there. And so that was very helpful. But he was somewhat like focused on just one thing that's probably not very important, which is what you're going to do on the bike every day or not. I don't see that stuff as very important now. And I feel now the peak performance thing, if I can make you super healthy, then I don't care what you do in your training program. Go do jumping jacks. Like some of the best guys, it doesn't really matter what they do. They wow. Like, Can we pull that out as the excerpt? <laughs> That's going to be the intro to the show because that is just brilliant right there. And yeah. I, I try to say that to people that I've coached over time too. Like if we envision a top 20 list of the most important things for your success as an athlete, somewhere around 17 or 18 or 19 is the actual workouts. And number one is your sleep. Number two is your mental disposition and your dietary habits. And all these things are so much more important that by the time you get everything dialed, then you just go wind the pedals up and pedal. If you go fast one day, you go fast. And if you take it easy the other day, it's of minimal consequence because all these other mistakes happen that screw it up. Right. Yeah. So that health is really the foundation on which you build performance. I didn't know that, you know, in 2008. (laughs) You're just pedaling your bike. Yeah, I'm just doing my thing. And I was eating, I think I had some a lot of problems even as a child with food sensitivities. I was making some really poor food choices my entire life, but things got exponentially worse when I moved to the US, I'm sure of it. Like, <laughs> Sorry to hear that. I thought yeah. we were the most nutritious diet on the planet. No. I guess not. 
No. So I became very carbohydrate focused and it was cereal for breakfast, sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner. And eventually I lost my metabolic flexibility. So I've just used a technical term there, metabolic flexibility. And what I mean by that is I lost the ability to use both glucose that's coming from all that carbohydrate, all the pasta and all that, and fat. I mean, in fact, I wasn't eating any fat whatsoever. I Everything was Teflon, you know, like I'd steam broccoli and cook chicken breasts on Teflon. And eventually I found myself having to get up in the middle of the night to eat another big bowl of cereal else I wouldn't make it through the night. It was That's how bad it was. I was so carbohydrate dependent. And then on the bike, I would start the ride with about three pounds of maltodextrin in those little squeezy tube things in my back pockets. And I was like a dealer. I had the deal. <laughs> I, you know, I won't mention the name of the company, but I was like the guy that had the wholesale account, you know, and I'd, I would organize the spreadsheet and everybody put their orders in through me. And I had to do that else I would probably gone bankrupt because I was consuming so much of it. And I got to the point where I couldn't go more than 40 minutes without having one of these oh. maltodextrin gels. And if I didn't have it, I would start to feel lightheaded and dizzy. And if I was with someone, they'd start to look tasty. It was bad, like really, really bad. And I mean, you just get to a point where something has to change. This is not... But the whole time I was doing really well on the bike. I continued to get faster. I upgraded from Cat 2 to Cat 1. And then eventually I did get a pro license, but not before my health completely fell apart. And really the low point was... I can remember it, like sat on some girl's stoop and her saying to me, come back and see me once you've sorted yourself out, which basically meant I couldn't get it out right. I was completely impotent. And so I thought, yeah, she's right. I've got to do something about this. And I've joked before in the past, it is true that men only go to the doctor when one of two things is wrong, right? Like either you've got a pain in your chest or your dick doesn't work. And so for me, it was the latter. And I went to the doctor and he was useless. He was worse than useless. He was just not really thinking about what had gone wrong. There was no, as an engineer, you get this sense for someone who knows what they're doing. That's right. Thinking in processes and thinking about cause and effect and what might be going wrong. And there was none of that with this doctor. It was just went before you'd even really told him what was going on, he went straight to the solution, which is, oh, well, Viagra, right? Don't you know that Viagra is fantastic? Like it takes literally less than two minutes to come to that. And the drug does work. I think it's actually a great drug, but it's not really doing anything to address the root cause of your impotence, right? And what are you in there, 30-something? How yeah, old are you? early 30s, yeah. yeah. So you're sitting in the waiting room with the rest of the humanity yeah. and dealing with this, oh boy. And that's a good point, actually. And I think there's some of that with a doctor. It's very difficult. I mean, he didn't look good himself. You know, he had what I know now is the visceral adiposity, right? So like the centralized beer gut thing. That's not good. In fact, I went to see one doctor a couple of years ago that had that and I recognized it. I knew more about my situation much later. And I had a doctor like that. And I went to that doctor just to get some lab work ordered. By the time the results came back, the doctor was dead. <laughs> oh, that's... I, to, I know. I, had to, I got a letter from him. But anyway, so... As an aside. As an aside. <laughs> yeah. So I realized this doctor didn't really know what was going on. He wasn't making a, really a genuine effort to understand the root causes of my situation. And he referred me to a gastroenterologist because I had so many gut symptoms. You know, I was blown up like a balloon. I talk about the central adiposity. I actually had that similar shape but it wasn't it was it air it was yeah. air yeah it was gas I was inflammation just, yeah cellular I, inflammation yeah, yeah yeah i think it was just air i'd go for a massage and the masseuse would say oh there's there's air in there i can feel it you know i can feel it moving around yeah i went to the gastroenterologist and they said oh it's nothing to do with what you're eating we can put cameras up both ends basically you know an endoscopy and a colonoscopy and we can confirm what you've already told us and then we have steroid anti-inflammatory drugs 
And when those stop working and they will stop working, then we can move over to surgery. And I'm like, okay, I'm not really sure how this all fits together, but I trust you. Like that model of medicine, it's very paternalistic, isn't it? We just mm-hmm. accept the doctor's advice without really questioning it in any way. So yeah, there's kind of mixed feelings there. But at that time I got lucky. I'd just met the woman who's now my wife and she had just finished her master's degree in food science. And she'd spent a lot of time in the lab studying food allergies. And she said, you should really try an elimination diet before you move on to the steroids and surgery. (laughs) Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. 
Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Just for fun, what what do you have to lose? Yeah, exactly. And so I did the paleo autoimmune diet and it was wildly successful. Within a few weeks, my blood markers of inflammation, C-reactive protein had come back down into the normal range. I was feeling tremendously better and it was a revelation. It really was. That was what started the journey, if you will, really. I didn't feel that wasn't the end. At the time, I thought it was the end. I thought, well, this is it. I figured it all out. I can fix anyone just with this one diet thing. Uh-huh. And then the last five years, it's been five years coming up since I quit my job at the hedge fund to start Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And I really think that's the start. It's like finding out all these other dimensions to health. It's not just about the food that you put in your mouth. It's so much more than that. And that discovery has come through the podcast, interviewing experts every week and having some tremendous people in the community come along and put their arm around me and saying, hey, Chris, you know, you're probably going to go out of business unless you figure these other things out. Uh-huh. Right. So I've so, been very lucky and all the people that have helped me get to where I am today with Nourish, Balance, Thrive. So that starting point of cleaning up your diet is essential to yeah. exploring these deeper nuances of functional medicine testing and tweaking the diet even further. And I think that's an important point to make because a lot of people are blowing their hundreds of dollars on supplements, but they're still slamming the sweetened seven pumps of Starbucks drink and hitting all the sugar and having that metabolic dysfunction. Even the gut health, if that's not handled, then all these other downstream problems are probably not worth addressing in terms of your thyroid medication or taking your Viagra or whatever. So it sounds like you had that nice entry point where you cleaned up your diet, the inflammation went away, right. you got your, I mean, you got it, your functioning it, back and so yeah. forth. I mean, it just kind of opens the idea of there might be something else out there for you. Like maybe I can feel better than this. You don't really know how good you feel. Like I don't know how like the person that just walks past how good they feel. Yeah. Like, you can't. There's no way to know that, is there? And you just assume you feel as good as possible. And then when you have this tremendous improvement, you're like, oh, shit what else is possible? Do I still feel shit compared to that person that just walked past? You don't know. And so you start investigating. And I feel like, I hope I'm at the point now where it's diminishing returns. I don't think I'm going to find another thing that's a whole new dimension. So for example, social isolation and being part of a tribe, I think is a whole new dimension that I'd not even considered in 2012 when I was eating or discovered the paleo autoimmune diet. And now I know that's maybe as important, right? When you look at the epidemiological data, people who are lonely, that's the same risk as smoking. And so it's maybe as important 
But I didn't know that then. I only know that from doing the podcast interviews. There's all these other vectors that you need to explore other than food. So with the program that you guys designed, Mm -hmm. heavy emphasis on healthy, nutritious diet, you're not pegging yourself into these tiny little camps like veganism is the way to go or you have to go keto or all that. So you have mm. sort of a general recommendation to the client. And then how does the testing work and what are you going for that's deeper than that? Mm. Yeah, you're right. So the food is still the foundation. We're not married to any one particular way of eating. But what are some of those pillars that are non-negotiable? Like, is it okay to eat refined sugar in the Nurse Balanced Diet program? Or are you kind of setting some standards at the gate where the person can go, oh, I see what this is all about? Yeah. So we definitely still start from what we call a paleo primal template. There's no question about that. I mean, if there's one unifying idea, it's just eat real food. I mean, I think that's, you know, did you, would your great, great grandmother recognize this as food? If the answer is no, then oh, don't eat one. it. Instead I, of the caveman, how about your great-great-grandmother? Yeah, you don't yeah. have to go back that far. I mean, in the UK, cereal, people have only been eating that since the 1950s. Everybody had bacon and egg for breakfast before that. And then Kellogg's came along with a tasty cornflakes. Well, and, even the bread that was homemade in the late 1800s was vastly different than the modern genetically right. modified crop and far less offensive to yeah. the body and less gluten and all those things. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first came to the US, scouring the supermarket, trying to find a loaf of bread. And all I could find were these things that had 60 ingredients in. Like, why does all the bread have sugar in it? Bread doesn't have sugar in it. It should have like, what well, the ingredients? Like wheat and salt and water. I mean, you can make bread with just those three things. Like, why has it got 60 ingredients? And yeah, so there's definitely something different. But we've seen people get really good results on a variety of diets. When you consider gut health in the equation, it gets more complicated. So in general, we've had really good results with clients eating a high-fat diet, not necessarily ketogenic. I mean, that's a very subjective, I should say, term. So some people can be in ketosis eating 400 grams of carbohydrates per day, which most people consider to be an awful lot. You'd have to be extremely active to... Mm-hmm. to well, achieve. Sammy Inkinen had yeah. his blog yeah, and his yeah. multi-day mountain bike stage race where he's going out there for hours. Yeah. And I think he was consuming up around 200 grams of carbs per day and putting up these big ketone numbers. Yeah. But of course, a function of how much energy he's yeah, burning. Yeah, so it totally depends. If you're completely sedentary, you're going to have to eat an awful lot less carbs than that in order to be in ketosis. And we've had some great results. I've eaten the diet for a couple of years myself and felt like I got quite good results on it, especially in the beginning. And then towards the end, I'm not quite so sure about that. But then with the gut health thing, we've seen people whether the fat really makes them feel bad. So there's this idea that saturated fats, it's not really an idea. I think it's quite well described in the literature, actually, that saturated fats can translocate endotoxins across the gut where they just cause metabolic mayhem. And so some people, they don't feel good when they have you know, bulletproof coffee or something. So describe how that's happening. They up their saturated fat intake from whatever baseline they've been eating for decades and maybe trying to stay away from it. Yeah, well, they've heard, you know, the the high fat diet's now the thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try that. And let's try putting butter in my coffee. And they're like, Jesus, I feel worse. So there's these things called lipopolysaccharides, which appear in the cell wall of gram-negative bacteria. And so if you've got a gut full of these vipers and then you down a bunch of saturated fat, like you drink it literally, as in butter in your coffee, and... That will actually translocate. It just means to assist with moving this endotoxin across the gut wall into the lymph and then into your system overall. And it causes metabolic mayhem. So we've had people, we do some gut testing on them. Okay, we can see that you've got a lot of dysbiosis here. And then we'll work on a protocol to resolve that dysbiosis. Usually it's herbs. And at the same time, we'll go the other way, right? We'll eat a really 
low fat, high carb diet. And people usually complain, I'm hungry all the time. I don't like being hungry all the time. I like the way that when I eat a high fat diet, I'm not thinking about food constantly, but I don't have brain fog. And so I'm going to live with a very low fat diet for a while whilst we fixed your gut. And then we'll experiment and play around. But usually people, yeah, they end up on a somewhat high fat, somewhat low carb, paleo primal type diet where everything as fewer ingredients as possible and as minimal processing as possible. So you're not eating, say, white flour that's highly processed and then cooked. It's all minimal processing, minimal cooking. So this gut problem, which seems to come up as a huge health topic over and over, and you guys mentioned that, I think is the highest percentage of people taking your questionnaire Mm. uh, come up with that possible gut dysfunction. Talk about how do you get that and how does it manifest? Well, I'm not sure that anyone really knows like what exactly is going on here. I mean, so it's a complex system. And my guess is that there are many interacting factors that are leading to the end problem. And I think that athletes are particularly susceptible. And you do see that in studies that when you just take a bunch of marathon runners and then you test their poop afterwards, they've all got occult blood, which is like hidden blood in their stool. So something is going on with the gut when you're exercising really hard. And that kind of makes sense when you think about it from a physiological standpoint, because when you're running away from a tiger, you don't really want to invest in long-term building projects. And digestion is a long-term building project, Mm. right? So you divert blood away from the gut towards the exercising muscles. And then hopefully at some point soon, you get away from the tiger and then you can go back to the rest and relax and digest and all of that. But of course, that's not really the way that we train nowadays, is it? It's like you run away from a tiger for two hours and then you go and do it again the next day, right? And And, and, and and slam sugar into that stomach that's not primed for digestion because you're functioning. Exactly. So maybe some of the carbohydrates you're consuming, these acellular powdered carbohydrates, they may be creating dysbiosis in themselves. Like maybe some of that basketball belly that I had was being created by these damn maltodextrin gels that I was consuming. You know, it's just like all fermenting away in there. Let's uh, take a so mid-roll that's... break. This show is sponsored by Goo and Power Gel. <laughs> Package sugar down your throat while you're training so you can keep going if you're in a carbohydrate dependency diet. Oh, now, God. this is serious stuff because if you're talking about like the triathletes, we're out there for hours in a day training, yeah. doing these different workouts and slamming so much acellular as the already broken down form yeah, of carb. it's all like powdered. That. Like there's no, you think about a banana or a a sweet potato and you cut it in half, the carbohydrates, the starch granules are still inside of a cell for the most part. Whereas refined sugar, it's not. It's all ground into, that's just glucose and fructose mostly that's just like ready to go. You can almost absorb it through your mouth. You don't really need digestion. Right. So you're consuming a lot of that during exercise and in and around exercise. Mm -hmm. And during a lot of that time, you're not really primed for healthy digestion. You're not in that parasympathetic state. You're in that kind of right. chasing, running from the tiger type thing. I imagine that would stress digestion as well. Yeah, exactly. And then so when you stop, there's this thing they call a reperfusion injury. So when you diverted blood away from the gut and then you stop exercising and then the blood comes rushing back and that can actually cause damage. It's a bit like Imagine you to put your foot on the end of a hose pipe and you turn the tap on. I don't know, maybe it's a stretchy hose pipe and it's sort of everything. And then when you finally release it, there's like kind of this sudden rush of fluid that comes back and that can cause injury. And so maybe that's part of it. Why we're seeing so many athletes with gut dysbiosis is a combination of too much exercise, maybe, which is fine. I do too much exercise still too, but my goal is performance and not longevity. 
And then you couple that for now. With, for for now. now, for now, that's right. Yeah. My we'll, we'll talk. How old are you now? How old Forty-two. Are you? Okay, so this is like your mid-thirties is when you yeah, I know. hit these roadblocks. Yeah. And now you now you've cleaned up your act and you're going for it, squeezing out a few more years of, yeah. of peak performance with yeah. the masters. Yeah. So there's that, and then there's yeah the carbohydrates which we talked about, and then also you think community is also a long-term building project, right? So you're running from a tiger for two hours. You're not going to be investing in immunity at that time. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. If you're about to be eaten by a tiger, why would you invest in immunity? That's something that maybe is going to kill you next week at the earliest. Or if it's cancer, then it, that could be years away. So, Right. You're talking genetically speaking, because we only have a certain amount of energy and resources to devote when we keep pumping out energy to, you're saying being chased by a tiger, but that's also working 12-hour days, heading yeah, to be. the gym for those 6 a.m. workouts and just pumping out too many stress hormones. This is a pattern that all of us are locked into where we're trying to go, go, go all day. Mm-hmm. So what's getting sacrificed? Immunity, proper digestive health. Right. And so you see this, everybody knows athletes that, I mean, in fact, I know a really talented athlete that dropped out of the sport altogether because every time he raced, he got guaranteed, I'm going to be sick on the day after or the day after that. And he wouldn't know what it would be. Not always the same. You know, sometimes it would be the flu or just a common cold or something, but it was enough to make it unpleasant enough to where he didn't want to take part in the sport anymore. And I'm sure that's what's happening with the gut as well, especially when you combine that with a sport like triathlon where you're swimming, you're going to suppress your immune system. You're going to do all these things. Then you're going to jump into a dirty lake and then swim for however many minutes, like probably the recipe for disaster. But to be fair, I'm a mountain biker and I don't swim in dirty water. And I've still seen that same, like looking after my gut has been an ongoing process. So I do tests fairly regularly. And sometimes I find stuff that I've never seen before. I'm like, what the heck? How no, Now I've got H. pylori. Where did that come from? You know, so it feels like a bit of a process like anything else where you're looking after a machine. And if you're running that machine ragged, then you're going to have to do more maintenance than if you're taking it easy, you know? So so this concept of gut health is so new that most likely if you go to mainstream your family doc or your gastroenterologist, they're going to tell you the same story today, even though that was five or six years ago, they're going to want to stick a tube up there, give you a steroid, something like that. So if we're interested in improving our gut health or investigating whether we have problems or not, what kind of steps would we take? Well, I mean, you've got to do everything that you can by yourself first. So most of the people we work with, they've been already been through quite a long process of trying things for themselves. And then you get to a point where you're like, eh, I think I'm stuck. I've still got diarrhea quite a lot and it's not getting any better. And I've tried the AIP diet and it. So there's probably something else there. And at that point, you need some help. But you've got to do the basic stuff first, right? So you've got to eat the primal diet, which is probably going to be free of gluten and dairy, the two most common food sensitivities that we see. So you should at least do an experiment where you don't eat those things for a month or two to see if that helps. And then obviously sleep is a big part of it. And all these things, they kind of tie in together. It's very difficult. I talk about these really restrictive diets that require a lot of willpower in order to execute. But if you're not sleeping well, you're just not going to have the willpower to make those decisions, right? And so they're all tied in. But at the same time, it's very difficult to sleep well if you've got seven gut infections and you're not eating well, right? It's like a catch-22, but you've at least got to make your best effort at trying some of these things like prioritizing sleep and eating the diet and then maybe some techniques that can help you handle stress better. So guided meditation was quite important for me in 2012 and maybe less so now. And then making sure you're not lonely. That was probably a part of my thing as well, right? In 2012, I come here from 
the UK, all of my friends, and even to this day, all of my best friends are still in the UK, not all, but mostly. And so I didn't really have a very strong social support group at all. And I think that's important too. I mean, there's definitely some stuff like listen to some podcasts. That's what I did too, before I got into the testing and that I listened to a bunch of podcasts and I just tried about 13,000 things by myself. And then eventually I was like, okay, I need someone to help me here. Yeah. The stress part is a big one. I've just, you know, finished this leadership retreat where they're talking about your fears and how we operate so often out of fear and anxiety because we're worried about what people might think of us, or we're worried about the end results. We're attached to the results of what we're doing in our career or as athletes. And my presentation was about getting over yourself, noticing that when you have a pure motivation for whatever you're doing, that's when you get the best results instead of being fixated on the outcome and attaching your self-esteem to the outcome. Mm. And there's no blood test for that (laughs) at your doctor. And they're probably not going to mention that at your doctors. But I think when you take these steps in the name of protecting your health, respecting sleep, as a top priority, Mm. then you can start to make the progress at the cause rather than I think we're fixated on how do we address the symptom? We take the Viagra. How do we address an inflamed gut? We take whatever you take, Maalox or some of those aids that are right on the counter and they seem like an easy solution, but we got to take those baby steps first. We're heading with the show. We're progressing toward that point where we're going to get into what kind of testing are you doing to your Nourish Balance Thrive client who's said, okay, you know, I I cut the sugar out. I'm managing my sleep. I feel like I'm checking a lot of these boxes off and I want to be better. Maybe I don't even know I'm suffering. When I started taking your test, I felt pretty good, but I had those complaints and I wrote on the questionnaire. Yeah, sometimes I crash and burn with my energy patterns. It might be a day or day and a half after I do an intense workout and I feel like crap the following afternoon and I also want to improve this or improve that. Then we're going further down the road after we're agreeing that we're on a healthy path. So what's next for that? So we start with blood chemistry. Yeah, Yeah, for the enthusiasts. And you can do this by yourself as well, honestly. Like go get a basic blood chemistry and then do your best to try and figure out what it means. And so we've developed some software now that does exactly that. You can take a basic $50 blood chemistry. Most people will be doing this test anyway with a doctor. The doctor that I went to see that I said wasn't very good. He still did most of the markers that we use now in our practice. That's the first place to start, right? So blood chemistry is the cheapest. It's the most well understood. It's ubiquitous. And it's going to tell you something about what's going on in your body. And it doesn't need to be a fancy $1,000 panel that you found from some athletic specific package. You don't need to do that first. And so that's got to be... Dang, man, I did several of those before I met you. I'm not saying that nobody should ever do those ever, but it's just not the place you start. There's so much to be learned from a basic blood chemistry. And I'm talking about a CBC, a metabolic panel, it's normally called, an iron study. And that's about it. 38 markers is what we use. And then we develop some software that allows us to get more out of that basic blood chemistry. So as you said, we do all these fancy tests. We do a Dutch urinary hormone test. We do urinary organic acids. We do two types of stool tests, PCR DNA analysis and a stool culture. But we can predict a lot of that stuff just from the basic blood chemistry now. And we do that using some machine learning techniques that recognize patterns in the basic blood chemistry. And they can say, oh, well, I think there's a 90% chance that this guy has been exposed to H. pylori. Like he looks like someone that has the IgG antibodies And so that gives us a place to start. We can use that as a navigational aid. The tests are not perfect. My algorithms are not perfect. There's a chance I got it wrong. And in fact, IgG antibodies are not diagnostic of 
an infection anyway. You've always got to do some follow-up testing, but it gives us a place to start now. A few years ago, we would just shotgun. We would just have people do all of the tests. And that works, especially for the type of people that we work with who are maybe cash-rich, time-poor. I just spent $10,000 on my bike. I'm hoping to go to Kona. I don't really have a year to work on this. Okay, well, let's just do all the tests, right? And then fix the problems we find. And that can work well too. But as we scale beyond that kind of cash-rich, time-poor individual, then working more methodically, I think, is going to be important. Hey, ladies. You may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gaines Wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gaines Wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits... You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings, hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. 
Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you. Of course, it's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Well, some of that stuff, I think, is obvious if you're feeling lousy. And you can predict maybe that you're... I used to go get tested because my brother worked in the lab when I was racing as a triathlete. And I'd go in there when I felt like crap and my hematocrit would be down to 36 or 38 instead of normal in the 40s. Or now these days doped off your ass up to 50.0, right? But <laughs> yeah. what I would do is I'd go home and rest and I'd eat a lot of meat and sleep. And then I'd go back and start feeling better and my hematocrit would be back in 43, 44 because it was a function. And same with my testosterone numbers mm-hmm. would be down in the dumps when I felt like crap. And when I felt good, my blood was mm-hmm. better. So making it more than a numbers game, I think is important. But at the same time, my experience with you, I went through the entire program with all the testing and you identified these random things that I had no idea were holding me back and then targeted the supplementation. So we can talk about my particular case if you want, but for someone who's reporting pretty good on so many levels, what are the patterns that you see through these advanced tests that you might not get at your general medical approach and your medical checkup? Yeah, so we're definitely seeing a lot of infectious stuff in the gut that's very fixable. And you can fix that using botanical herbs. And we have really good results doing that. And it's all evidence-based. I can send you references for everything that we recommend. And the program includes everything. So we run a $10,000 program and it includes all the testing, the supplements, everything. So you don't, we're not going to send you on a shopping trip to try and find some botanical herbs. Oh, so you enroll in the program. Yeah. And it includes... All, all the testing, the testing yeah, all everything. the retesting. It's all exactly. So that's how we yeah. know that the botanical herbs are working is because we'll redo the test and see that it works. And you can also go to your doctor as well. We've had people do that. H. pylori is another good example, actually. You can go and see your primary care doctor and they know exactly what to do about that. Uh-huh. And H. pylori is classified as a carcinogen because if left untreated and with stress probably is that crucial factor, then you can develop stomach ulcers, which can become cancer. So even the traditionally trained primary care doctors are interested in that particular bug. So we see infectious causes of problems, but then we also see a lot of nutrient deficiencies, stuff that they don't really seem that interested in that. A vitamin is not really, that's not really proper medicine, is it? A vitamin deficiency, we don't see that, but we do. And it's subtle, but I mean, we're working with people that care about that last five or 10%. And so as an example, you may have a B vitamin deficiency that's leading to that lower level of hemoglobin. So for example, you need B12 and folate in order to have a mature red blood cell. And so when you run a basic blood chemistry, you get the CBC, that's a $13 test that you can order for yourself. You'll see your mean corpuscular volume is up into the high 90s maybe. And it's because you're deficient. So there's lots of reasons why that might be the case. But one of the reasons are you might be deficient in B12 and or folate. And I can predict that using my algorithms. And that's a really easy fix. You can maybe even fix it by taking a multivitamin, a really good quality multivitamin, not the $6 Walmart multivitamin. That might even make it worse. There's a difference in quality of vitamins? Yeah, so they're they're terrible. I just got my dad off the most saddest multivitamin I've ever seen in my life. It had all the non-bioavailable forms of every single vitamin, like cyanocobalamin, which is not really even B12, 
It was just so sad. Wow. And it had loads of binders and yeah, fillers. Yeah, like looking at the and- label, if you're an amateur <laughs> and you go to Costco and it says other ingredients on your multivitamin, <laughs> and there's a huge list of them. Yeah. So I think, I guess if you're just a novice, maybe going to a specialty store or an internet resource that has a lot of backup and yeah. maybe some customer support rather than buying the giant bottle for $9 yeah, just- is a good step. Just go to Thorn Research. Like, if you're an athlete, just go to Thorn. I mean, we do sell Thorn products, but I don't have an affiliation with Thorn in any other way. And they just have the best stuff, right? So you have, like, really good MD-PhDs designing their products, and you know you're almost going to get the best stuff in them. And they do mass spectrometry, which is the same technology we use in our clinic to test all the supplements three times as they go through the production line. And so you know it's not going to be contaminated with arsenic or lead or it's not going to have something that shouldn't be there. We work with some Olympians, national champions, other people who get tested. And the last thing you want is for them to get busted for something that was in their multivitamin. Like that's just dumb, right? So guess what? There's not a lot of regulation here. This is not an FDA. No, it's a wild west deal. It's a wild west. You slap a label on there and you buy your Chinese herbs and we don't know if they're from toxic waste dump and yeah. some other country. Yeah, crazy stuff. So you got to be careful and go for those reputed brands. I mean, that's been yeah. Mark Sisson's business for 20 years. Yeah, of course. And Mark, yeah. mates, actually, I was just reading an article by him. That's a really good litmus test, actually. He was writing about it, the 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate, which is the active form of folate. And he just reformulated his multivitamin to have that in. I was really excited. At the behest of Christopher Kelly. <laughs> I don't think so. Sitting in his perch. I think that Mark... about some of the individual <laughs> ingredients that latest research is making and breaking. So yeah, staying on top of it. Good example though. I mean, you got yeah. to constantly see what the best thing to put in your body is. I'm sure that Mark heard about that from nine different sources before he made the change. But yeah, good for him that he made that. And so that's actually a really good litmus test. If you pick up a multivitamin and it says folate as 5-methyl-tetrahydrofolate or folinic acids, it's probably a good product. Oh, good product. Yeah, you're not going to see that on a Walmart multivitamin, that's for sure. One of the other interesting tests, I've I've had these over the years, I had that salivary cortisol Mm. done where I'm spitting into the container it was five different times a day or something, right? Mm-hmm. So what is that all about? Because I know so many people are worried about adrenal burnout and you yeah. get these terms of that nature. And this is kind of tracking your regulation of your stress response. Mm, the artist formerly known as adrenal fatigue. <laughs> right, right. The catch-all term <laughs> slapped on everything. Yeah, I must admit, I did fall for that in the beginning. I did these training courses and it was all about adrenal fatigue. And it was a very stress oriented approach to health. And there's definitely something to it. That's been a reoccurring theme that I've learned in health and fitness is you'll hear lots of people talking about stuff and they're like talking about it as if it was the only thing in the world that mattered. And usually what it turns out to be is there's something there. You hear people talking about MTHFR or Candida or SIBO, or I've just been talking about gut infections or carbohydrates and metabolic, but they're never quite as important as the person who's talking at that moment makes them out to be. And especially if they're selling something. Yeah. Yeah. Supplement for adrenal fatigue. It's called Uh, chill out. (laughs) Myself included in that list there. But yeah, so adrenal fatigue. So it's a very misleading name because there's almost certainly nothing wrong with your adrenal glands and the problem is in your brain. Right. But Dr. Kate said that too, that your adrenal glands are fine. Yeah. They're just working too hard they're just doing because what of your told. stressful ass life where you can't <laughs> slow down and get enough sleep. Yeah. And it was a real mind blower to me because when I was an athlete, 
I started to study more and more about the stress response and cortisol and mm-hmm. the balance of all that. And I concluded that like my success as an athlete was all about how well I could recover and manage mm-hmm. stress. It wasn't about the workouts anymore. At a certain point right. where, hey, you got to get in shape. And if you're three minutes behind out of the water, guess what? Get your butt in the pool and swim more and become more competent. But at right. a certain point, it was like, how do I maintain performance? Let's say my best performance ever, I won the race. So why can't I win every single race? Right. It's managing that stress response and you get into that terminology of, well, I have adrenal fatigue because I raced 27 times around the globe and traveled all over and now I feel fried. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's an incurable disease. It's like when yeah. she said have that to there's, stop exercising, yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with your adrenal glands. Yeah. That was a big epiphany for me. Like, oh my gosh. So if I went to Hawaii and laid on the beach for 14 days, my adrenals would probably, it maybe would take six days to recover. And then they'd start regulating the salt balance and doing all their jobs properly, unless I have Addison's disease or something crazy. Yeah. But now you're talking about the 8 million people that say that, and almost all of them are fine from that disease perspective, but it's the inputs, the source is what's screwing them up. Right. Yeah, so that's definitely true. But there are some other factors as well. So we did, when I started Nourish Ride, we did a ton of those salivary adrenal tests. And nearly always what I saw was very, very low cortisol. So the situation that you've just described there, it's kind of stress bunny. You'd expect to see high cortisol and you usually never do. And oh. so the adrenal fatigue thing kind of then makes sense. You're like, oh, you know, I guess the, it's burned out. It just can't make it anymore. But Actually, that's not what's going on. And probably what's going on is it's related to immune function. So remember, cortisol has really potent immune modulating effects and that a high cortisol is going to suppress the immune system. But that's not what you want when you have an infection. So it depends on the type of pathogen. And the person that's been truly wonderful about teaching me about this stuff is a naturopathic doctor by the name of Brian Walsh. And he did an interview with Rob Wolf, I'm sure you can find with Google, where he talks about this stuff. So basically, it depends on the type of pathogen that's present, what part of the immune system is activated. And sometimes you see high cortisol, sometimes you see low cortisol. In our experience, we only saw low cortisol, but it's not a deficiency of some adrenal supplement that you need to fix the infection. And then once you fix the infection, the cortisol can just like literally pop back up overnight. And then with it, because it doesn't feel good. I just bashed on this term adrenal fatigue. And it's quite a good name in that it does encapsulates how you feel. So I did one of those saliva tests in 2011 or something. And mine was really, really low. So and I was saying, really tired. Uh, and so low the name, all the time. Low uh, all the time. So like the cortisol is supposed to be in a pattern yeah, of spiking sorry, in so the I've morning not... and moderating in the evening. So I remember that that graph had like constraints on the upper and lower level. So you're saying that most people you test are showing lower than they should be yeah. even in the morning, even at night kind of thing? Yeah, sorry. That's a very good point. I didn't empathize very well there. I'm just assuming that people know that it's a multi-point test. So cortisol has a normal daily rhythm. And so there's something they call the cortisol awakening response. When you get up, your cortisol is supposed to be rising quite rapidly. And then it sort of tapers off from there to a nadir that comes late at night. And what we would normally see is just flatline, like nothing oh. all day long. And, so and that, that, but that doesn't feel good. Like right. people are not. The, the symptom is you feel like crap in the morning. You can't get going. Yeah. So for me, the feeling, I guess, would be lack of energy. And then also maybe mild depression. So not really enjoying things that you previously used to enjoy was like my number one complaint. I had you know, been through a long list of sports 
wakeboarding, snowboarding, kiteboarding, you name it. I tried it and loved it. And then suddenly I didn't love it anymore. That for me was kind of a definition of mild depression, like finding it very hard to take pleasure in things. It comes back, like suddenly you're stoked on stuff again. And of course, I'm oversimplifying here. There's a lot going on. But yeah, when you see a normal cortisol rhythm, you can expect the person to be cracking jokes versus someone with flatline cortisol, they're not cracking jokes. Yeah, your, your mood's flat as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What were some of the other stuff? You talked about the stool testing and the urine yeah. testing. What are those going for? What insights are you looking for? Yeah, so the stool testing is how we're finding these gut infections for the most part. But then we also do find some stuff on the urine test. So this urinary organic acids test is a very clever technology where they look at metabolites in the urine and they're not looking at anything directly. They're looking what you might describe as the exhaust fumes in a car. So it's almost like that you take your car into the shop and the mechanic puts a probe in the tailpipe and they look at what gases are coming out of the engine and they can tell you something about the way that it's burning. So they're not looking at stuff directly. They're looking at these metabolites. And Is that where you found my crazy-ass plastic water bottle and oh, petroleum yes, find rubber? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was no fun, man. I remember that phone call we had where you did my consultation. It's yeah. very, very intense. I mean, we went over every aspect of my results yeah. and then we got down to this well, man, are you doing a lot of sweating on yeah. a rubber mat and soaking up? I'm like, as a matter of fact, no. He goes, what about drinking hot, boiling hot water bottles that have been sitting in your car? I'm like, uh, once in a while. Yeah. But I guess those metabolites, those disgusting yeah. chemical byproducts were in my urine. Yeah, so we've actually stopped running. That was the Great Plains Tox. And it's a good test, but I don't need it anymore because I can, can predict a lot of that stuff from a blood chemistry now. So we've been not running that test for a while. But yeah, that's another dimension. You know, I talked about, oh, well, you're lonely and that's part of the problem. Environmental exposures is also, I think, another dimension that's as big as that, that people are not really thinking about the chemicals that are in their environment and the things that they introduce into their body. Cyclists especially, I mean, I'm still doing it because I've not found a good solution. I'm hoping that somebody's going to come along and make a water bottle for cyclists that doesn't include any of the plasticizers. And I know someone's going to say, oh, yeah, I know my bottle's BPA-free. It says right there on it, but there are other plasticizers, BPF and BPS, which are less well studied, less well understood, but almost certainly have some of the same estrogenic effects. And so they're not not a solution. Especially when they heat up, right? Yeah, exactly. So you think the cyclists, those bottles are on the bike frame for maybe hours in the sunshine and then you're drinking that stuff. I mean, you're almost certainly ingesting some plastic when you drink out of those things. So there's so many other things as well. I mean, heavy metals from even now to this day as we speak, I have a mouthful of dental amalgams and I know I need to go get that taken care of at some point. Everyone's telling me the same, man. Is You think that's legit? Like it's a true source of toxic into the bloodstream? There's no way. I mean, it has to be true because there's no way to make a dental amalgam without using some mercury. So I think a dentist in San Francisco lied to me and 2008 or something. He said, oh yeah, we don't do that anymore. It's a silver filling, but it's got no mercury in it. I don't think that's possible. I think it must have mercury in it. And I think there's some pretty good evidence that the mercury amalgams do release some mercury vapor. And then where does that go? You don't breathe it out. It has to go into your body and there's no safe level of mercury. It exerts its toxicity in many ways, but it displaces selenium. So any selenium dependent enzyme of which there are many important ones are going to be broken by mercury. And then that's not the only thing either. There's lead that's in bloody everything. Like don't ever drink out of a garden hose pipe because it might have lead in it. Get rid of all your antiques because that's probably got lead in it too. 
like old glass and stuff has got lead in it, lead paint, all kinds of places you can get lead from. We've even seen it in protein supplements recently. So not companies like Thorne that are doing mass spec three times on every single thing as it comes through the production line. Less, well... Less expensive. Less expensive, shall we say. Bulk protein on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And so lead displaces zinc in those enzymes and you can't make testosterone without zinc. Mm -hmm. You can't make red blood cells without zinc. So these metals can also be a problem and I can predict those as well with pretty good accuracy from a basic blood chemistry using the same similar machine learning techniques. So you just have to do your best to try and get all this stuff out of your environment. And that means for me, it means Okay, so I still use the plastic bike bottles, but everything else in my kitchen is either glass or stainless steel. And even stainless steel isn't perfect, actually. I was just reading about this the other day. Do you know the Instapot? And I know you guys have got an Instapot. Yeah, I know. I I almost cried when I saw it, but it can actually leach uh, nickel and chromium into the food. Like there's some really good data where they've looked at this and it depends on a lot of things. Like if it's a really acidic source, like if you're using tomatoes or something, then there's a lot more of the metals in the oh, food mercy. afterwards. I know, it's like... Okay, so we'll skip past those recipes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, you're kidding me, aren't you? And like, Tommy's like, oh yeah, I've got a ceramic one. I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's right. Me? It's an accessory. You can order that. All right, yeah. we'll switch over to ceramic. Yeah. Like my um, my wife said, you'll pry my Instapot out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> you know, like no way. I mean, you have to be careful because at some point, worrying about this stuff yeah. might become as dangerous as the stuff itself. Yeah. So uh, you kind of just have to. I mean, I heard the Mercola podcast where he's talking about the Wi-Fi oh, and yeah. signals and unplug your router every night, which sounds very reasonable to yeah. everybody or switch the power main off in your house every night, which is a little bit more difficult step in. You got to reset all your things. But apparently he like won't take a picture unless you put your phone on airplane mode so that he won't get exposed to that thing. And digging a little deeper and ask some experts about this and the people that are vulnerable and sensitive, this stuff really does matter and it can really F you up. And maybe some of us are more fortunate where we can eat those meals out of the Instant Pot and suffer no ill effects. But I'm looking at big picture, like I want to live to be 123, as easy as Mm. one, two, three, break the record. It's now 122. And so if I have an ambition to have nice longevity and peak performance for a long time, then you got to start looking at these little things like your mercury fillings and all that. But not before we address the big picture stuff. Because I think some of these health freaks that we're immersed with You see them going off on the different topics, but the emails are being sent at 11.45 at night. It's like, wait a second, shouldn't you be sleeping rather than doing more research on the toxic effects of your plastic water bottle in the bike cage? And at least you're out there riding your bike and pedaling and monitoring your heart rate rather than indiscriminately slamming yourself. Right. So Tommy Wood is my MD, PhD. He's the architect of our program. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. He was one of the guys that came along in the very early days and took me under his wing and mentored me quite closely. And I think he nailed it when he said, look, if I can do something about this and it's not going to make a lot of difference to me, then yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and do it. And so, yeah, turning off my Wi-Fi router at night is something that I do because it makes literally zero difference to me, like flipping that switch late at night. Well, it's good for it to refresh your pipeline. Yeah, it's very doable. But if I were living in London and I turn on my phone and there's like 19 Wi-Fi signals. I hate that, man. (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do? I think that worrying about it is probably going to do more harm. And, And so these are Tommy's words now. Worrying about it is probably going to do more harm than 
than the actual thing itself. So forget about it. Do the things, pull the levers you've got access to, and then forget about the ones that you don't. Right. Don't stress. I want to go back to your story a little bit there when you were this young racing dude who's succeeding and performing well, but meanwhile, your health is cratering before you know it. But for that time period there where you're still performing and still winning races and doing magnificent athletic feats. How does that work? I know Maffetone has mentioned this a little bit where this overstress pattern yeah. or this overstimulation pattern can for a short period of time deliver these amazing results and you're setting PRs because you have you're bathed in these stress hormones that deliver peak performance effort while chipping away at your immune system. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. You just answered your own question quite well there. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, I noticed that on the bike was about the only time that I felt good. And it wasn't oh, immediate. Like, I wouldn't want to do it. Like I'd be sat in the office thinking I used to be able to finish work at one o'clock in the afternoon and go ride my bike. What time did you start work? Five o'clock in the morning. Right. So you're going five to one yeah. and then hitting more stress after that. Yeah. Crazy times. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a terribly stressful job, but I'd be sat there at midday thinking, I really don't want to go ride my bike right now. Right. I really don't want to yeah. go. But then I don't want to go home either. I would like, you know, I'd get the train back home and that wouldn't be fun either. I'd get home and I'd be sat there I'm like, miserable. Why did I do that? I was stupid. I should have gone and ride. So I would invariably go ride instead. And then it would take a while, usually about an hour. And then an hour in, you start to get some of that cortisol going that we've already talked about is really, really low. And yeah, I'd start to feel good. And that was one of the few times where I would feel good. And that's kind of addictive, isn't it? If that's what you need to do in order to feel good, then you're yeah. probably going to do more of it. You're getting a hit mm. of dope like a drug user, right? Because mm -hmm. that cortisol is spiking due to the fight or flight stimulation of your ride. Mm -hmm. And I know that pattern very well myself where I was exhausted during mm -hmm. daily life. But as soon as I jumped in the water, I rallied because I was so focused and driven to be mm -hmm. a competitive athlete. And that sets you up for a very slippery slope downward when you can't even function normally and healthily in everyday life. Right. I think this does lead into exercise dependency where you can't... You know, I used to be that guy that couldn't go anywhere unless I had a bike on the back of the car. Couldn't possibly go on holiday unless I brought uh -huh. my bike with me. You know, and I'd be on the turbo trainer if it was raining outside. On the six days a year that it rains in Northern California, I'd be indoors <laughs> on the turbo trainer. And now I'm not like that at all. I can and just take it or leave it. Okay, should my ride today? No, all right, that's fine. I'll just ride tomorrow or maybe the day after and that's okay. And I don't really notice if I take three weeks off after cycle cross season, I don't really notice that I'm really missing the exercise. It's just all the same now. And I think this has got to be part of it, isn't it? Not being dependent on exercise. And is. what's happening to your race results accordingly? Yeah, so I did get the pro license, but I was never competitive as a pro. Like a mid-pack result was... Wow, he's actually admitting this, a former pro athlete. Usually people, if they had that pro license, that's all they talk about is I was yeah. pro this and pro that. No, I was quite, I knew exactly what was going on. So it was something I'd wanted to get and I did get it. And then I joked when I got it that the USAC just gave me permission to never win another race ever again, right? It's like, it's not that much fun, actually. And eventually I realized that it was really taking the enjoyment out of this sport. I would turn up and I would ride and I wouldn't even look at the results because I knew that it wasn't going to be good. So I just stopped looking at them and it kind of took a lot of the enjoyment out and I've gone back to racing the age group and it's more fun. It's like guys that I know and we kind of duke it out and we talk before and after the races and it's just a lot more fun racing age group. So you have to kind of define success. Like which do you think is more successful? Is it being maybe five or 10% faster and having a pro license and doing those mid-pack finishes? 
or is the success look more like it did for me yesterday where I just had some fun with some local guys that I know and some yeah. other guys from out of town t- showed up and they've probably done really well in some other big race like Sea Otter came recently and mm-hmm. there was probably some guys there that did really well at Sea Otter and they were kind of aggro at the beginning of the race we were racing along the bluff and it was like sandy kind of fire roads and it was all kind of really wiggly like it was a good chance you were going to fall off and they were kind of getting aggro and shouting and they probably thought they were going to do really well because they'd been out to Sea Otter and done well and they didn't realise that there's a bunch of like local guys in Santa Cruz that are actually quite Watch fast that they just don't come out and race Sea Otter anymore Watch out for local guys period wherever you are yeah. wherever you go there's some <laughs> local guy that is gonna mess with your head yeah. for sure yeah and yeah. so i mean maybe what i've done is i've just reframed success right like success for me and i take great pleasure in my daughter is doing the kids races as well now especially at the cycle cross races and there was a really good one at yesterday as well she's on a little strider bike and wait she's four moves. years old yeah. she's doing a little race that's yeah. cool i mean it's just a kids yeah. race i'm sure wow. people that have been to yeah. bike races have seen what they do but yeah it's just a little kids race and it's actually much yesterday it was mostly older kids maybe 10 years old or something on much bigger bikes but she really loves doing the kids race and so and that's a big part of why I go as well now so yeah. it's you have to kind of reframe success a little bit I love that I mean speaking of health and promoting your health and getting to topics like this after we finish with the diet discussion and the supplements and all that I think that's a huge thing and it's really healthy to have a competitive goal to be out there and putting yourself on the starting line especially as I get to my age group I'm 53 I'm long since done with elite racing but to have that part of my life where I can pursue a competitive goal and try for it, the context is less important. So like when I clear the high jump bar in an empty stadium and I scream for joy in the pit because I just had a great jump, it feels the same to me in every single way as winning a big race in 1991 with people clapping and TV cameras filming me because it's just a personal challenge, a personal goal. I think a lot of athletes let that go because it's their all or nothing self-absorbed in the importance of their top level. They're racing in the pro division. So now why should they even bother with a lower goal? But there's that magic in saying, hey, this is what I'm all about right now. I'll never go as fast as I did back in my prime, but who cares? Because I can still have that same sensation of going for it. Yeah. I mean, one of the traps I fell into was the constant horizon seeking, right? I almost caught myself doing a little bit of it yesterday, actually. Whereas you win that race and you get that upgrade and then well, I'm not really satisfied now because there's that bigger thing that I should be aiming for now. And so there's always something, there's always someone that's faster than you. And so there's, I mean, this is true in many things in life. So for example, we'll work with clients who have a weight loss goal and they'll say things like, I'll be happy when I'm 20 or 30 pounds lighter. Well, guess what? When you're 30 pounds lighter, there'll be something else to be miserable Mm -hmm. about, right? Like you have to be in love with the way that you are now and stop with the constant horizon seeking. So yesterday, you know, I turned up, I said I had no expectation because I'd been crashed out the race before and I had stitches in my elbow. But the moment I realized that I was probably going to come, I was going to get on the podium, right? I was in the top three and I just had to drop this one last guy and I would be second. And immediately I thought, oh shit, did I really try? Could I have won that race? I mean, that it's the same thing, right? It's the, the ego constant, rises above. Yeah, yeah, it's the constant horizon seeking and it's a terrible trap that you have to be aware of, I think. Love it. Chris Kelly, thanks for catching up, man. Great clothes there. Well, thank I you for having that. me. Yeah, nourishbalancethrive.com. You want people to take that free quiz, which was so enlightening. Yeah, I mean, so if people are interested in hearing more about the things that I've learned over the last few years that help athletes achieve peak performance and sustained health, then come listen to the podcast is the best place. I really feel like I've had a lot of fun and learned a lot of things with the podcast. Love that podcast. 
That's yeah. where I learned all about dark chocolate from <laughs> Terea Rodriguez. Very eclectic. Going deep into interesting topics. Yeah, very eclectic. Yeah, and I realized that was one of the smart things that I did. Not my mother-in-law came up with the name Nourish Balance Right, but I realized that it gave me permission to talk about anything on the podcast, anything that would help people live better lives. And so the scope is quite broad. I'm so glad that I didn't call it the keto anything because <laughs> I really would have gotten bored of talking about keto by now. So yes, yeah, a very broad range of topics. And if you're interested, we've used some similar techniques actually with some machine learning algorithms that allow us to try and predict some of the problems we find on the advanced testing that we do. And we can do that. You just spend seven minutes clicking on radio buttons. We call it our seven minute analysis. If you come to the front page of knowledgebalancethrive.com, you'll find a link to the seven minute analysis. And we made some whiteboard explainer videos that explain some of the problems that we find using the prediction. So it's all personalized. And that's a good place to start as well, just to give you some ideas to sort of think about things, places you might want to go next. Go check it out. It's top, top, top stuff. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. Hey, let's get real about salt. I want to talk about a product called Real Salt, the finest natural mineral sea salt you can find coming straight to you from an ancient underground salt deposit in central Utah, left there by the pristine ancient sea that covered North America millions of years ago. I first bought this product, thank you, L. Russ, Primal Blueprint Podcast, and it actually tastes great. I can't believe this when we're talking about salt, but it adds to the flavor value of your meal. Why is salt so important? Jeez, we've heard our whole lives about watch your salt intake or you get high blood pressure. Oh my goodness, it's such baloney, especially those of us in the ancestral health movement eating healthy diet without all those ridiculous high sodium processed foods. Guess what happens even when you transition from regular high carb diet over to ancestral style or even keto, what happens is you reduce the inflammation and water retention in cells throughout your body because finally you're healthy. You're not triggering systemic inflammation and battling the adverse effects of consuming gluten and sugar and having it mess with your autoimmune function and your intestinal lining. So with that reduction in inflammation and water retention when you cut out crappy foods, oh, you look great. You lose all that fat weight in your face and your friends say, hey, did you lose weight? You look great. You say, yeah, thanks. But guess what? It's time to increase your consumption of healthy salt. And I'm not talking about that ridiculous junk food that's iodized salt. So if you're shaking a white salt onto your food, you are consuming a product that has been bleached and stripped of its natural trace minerals. Real salt, on the other hand, is completely unrefined and full of supporting natural minerals and flavor the way salt was meant to be savored. And what a cool company. These guys are so chill. I met them in person at Paleo FX. They're committed to the greatness of the team, the employee. Listen to their philosophy. We believe that profit is the means, but that the end goal is human development and life enhancement. We're committed to improving the community and promise to provide continual growth opportunities for our employees. Realsalt.com, wherever fine foods are sold, support these guys, get your diet right, add more salt. It's delicious. Thank you. 
let's talk about Tribali Foods. If you're super busy and you want a convenient meal to make in a short time, but you don't want to compromise great taste, gosh, doesn't that sound like a commercial? <laughs> it is a commercial, but it's for something super awesome. And these are frozen organic beef and chicken patties and sliders with awesome creative flavors like Mediterranean, chipotle, umami with the mushroom mixed in, and also these sliders, chicken apple and pork sage. What you do is you take this frozen box, cut with the scissors the beautiful little pre-made patty, Drop it on the pan, cook it up, and it's ready in a few minutes. And this company is a real, live, authentic, girl power, entrepreneur, small business success story, home kitchen inspired. Welcome, everyone, to the new world where the big multinational beasts that make garbage food are getting knocked off by people who care about what they eat and about their health. And Trebelli was started by my friend Angela Mavridis in Southern California, lifelong family restaurant business member. She was a vegetarian for 35 years, and one day she had a steak, felt great, and started on this path of experimenting with creative ground beef recipes and flavorings in her kitchen. All her friends loved it. She was buying tons of ground meat from Whole Foods, and they're like, hey, what are you doing with this? So she brought them in a little sample. They loved it. They flew her to Texas to meet with the national buyer, and they said, literally, start a business, and we will place a large order. So this is a wonderful small business success story with love and attention to everything that goes into this product. Delicious, totally keto-friendly. Go look at the pork mini sliders. We're talking one gram of carbs, 11 grams of protein, 17 grams of fat, and you get 15% off. Just visit tribalifoods.com, T-R-I-B-A-L-I, and enter Get Over Yourself in the coupon field, and you are good to go. Ship directly to your door, cold-packed, frozen stuff, thawed out in a day, and you have quick dinner, quick lunch, and also available at finer stores like Whole Foods, Whole Dudes, Nugget, Natural Grocers, Super Targets, and launching into Walmart as well. Good job. Go, girl. Trebellifoods.com. 